Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Nyasha Moves of Grace. I'm Nana. And I'm Nyasha. And this week we are talking, continuing our conversation from last week, looking at the Afro, but we're, we're moving across the Atlantic. We're going to the other part of the world. We're heading into Africa. Mm-hmm. We're heading into the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. We're also heading into the UK. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about looking at the same time periods. We're still looking at the 60s and 70s, kind of into the 80s. Yeah. Thinking about what's happening to the Afro in different parts of the world. Yes. Um, so I actually spoke to my dad about this after being inspired by you. Oh, yeah. Um, need to talk to the older generation. So my dad is in his mid 60s mm-hmm. and he was telling me about the climate in Ghana around the Afro um, during the 60s and the 70s. Mm. Um, and I just I love talking to my dad. My dad's one of those sort of <laughs> old school. I, he just he's the smartest wisest person I know and he's full of all this wisdom on everything yeah um so just hearing him talk and he has a real nice pace about his mm-hmm. manner he just slows down when he's really thinking about his words and choosing them carefully um and it was interesting because just like he Inyasha, there were parts of this conversation where he he was selective about his words and, yeah. and so we really got a sense of yes it's a fashion mm-hmm. and it was a, a trend quote unquote at the time but it was more than that and I think it's really seen in the way that we have to be cautious of the way we talk about this particular style or mm-hmm. this particular time. So he starts off by saying that it was a trend, um, it was a fashion, um, but he also says it was nice and it was beautiful. And just even in that description, I'm like, ooh, you know? Yeah. Um, he says, you know, that those who didn't, like many people were fortunate enough to be able to just grow it out naturally. Those who didn't had to buy wigs. There was a bit of shade there, but I loved it. <laughs> well, people's hair grows differently, exactly. you know. So this is going to happen in every generation. There's just some people with loads of hair. This is it. There's more baby than hair. And with some babies, there is more hair than, than baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And it's genetic. It's it genetic. Is. So it is. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, so they had to, and um, they got there, especially the women, just having it of different sizes and as big as you wanted it to. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though that they were wearing afro style wigs yeah they were wearing afro textured wigs. Yeah. even when they were using wigs yes. it was a wig that was an extension of their identity and right. not a departure right right um very interesting because just thinking about our day today we'll get to that next week actually yes we'll get the millennials are coming in next <laughs> we are coming week. in next week um he also talks about you know the generation the older generation so you know his parents mm. um and, and and what they thought and he actually compared it to really being like any generation there's always going to be those who have something to say and, and the younger ones and the older ones won't always see eye to eye on specific things mm. he said that you know others felt that it should be cut to mm-hmm. a reasonable size and it was linked to looking more responsible mm. um especially when talking about men mm-hmm. it was more gentlemanly Right. And the Afro made you p- appear as a rascal. Ooh. Yeah. And it's interesting to now think, last week, in last week's episode, mm. we came across some research that yep. suggested that um, radical yes. Caucasian elements yep. thought the Afro was beautiful. Yeah. And yet the non-radical yeah. Caucasian <laughs> elements thought of it as being violent yeah. and aggressive. Yeah. It's funny to see that. Um, because of the status quo, because of what was acceptable, because of the colonial past, the older generation then would also have, almost like they're looking at their children Mm. through through, the colonialists' eyes. This is it, this is it. Um, And then I I really wanted to dig out more of this. You know, he talked about things that were popular culture at the time. He talked about sort of images, looking at the, the, the generations and the rift that they had. 
um, actually there's a really nice one where he talks about a cartoon which I'm trying to find and I can't find it but he talks about like a sketch I will because he talks about a sketch with a father and a son Mm. and so we have this son who has a really big afro yeah and we have this bald-headed father who has a huge beard. And so this father is trying to get his son to cut his afro. You look like this and this and this. And the son's like, don't worry, Dad. When I, when I grow to your age, I'm just going to grow my afro upside I down. <laughs> the shade in that. Don't take kids on yet. The kids give the best shade. And they don't even mean to be this shady. Is they it. just call, it, <laughs> they call their spade a spade in yes. ways that you didn't want them to. <laughs> Um, so that was an interesting conversation just about like the generations there but then he also goes on to talk about it in a way that's a little bit deeper than fashion so whilst he says yes some took it just to be the fashion others did feel that it was um, it had more of a spiritual element that it was an expression of their Africanism oh wow Um, beautiful word there actually just digging at that for the past um, just thinking about you know all the different things that that itself could mean Mm -hmm. but actually from that conversation we then spoke more about politics Mm. Um, we then spoke about you know laws and legislation especially in the US Mm. that prevented certain types of people from getting work based on their hair Um, and then we went on to a whole conversation about black culture and black lives and just across the diaspora and I I think for me it really emphasised the point that we can sit and say it's just hair but it really is not just hair if a conversation with my dad (laughs) about hair can then transpire into something so much bigger and so much greater there is a lot here Mm -hmm. you know it's it's not as superficial as the strands that grow out of our head because there's so much more meaning it's identity it is identity it is identity because if you look at pre-colonial times or Mm -hmm. at least at the very I know that the, the, the earliest photographs would be the ones that were taken by people who were either coming to scout out the land or whatever. Mm. Um, when you do see these photographs, you will see that all across Africa, they had, every tribe would have had its own hairstyles. Mm. The ways they groomed the hair, the way they braided the hair, the way they did what they did with their hair. Mm. conveyed something it wasn't just well it's hair and it's growing out of our Mm. scalps it was it signified in certain parts it signified that a young lady and a young man were ready for marriage it was part of almost their rites of passage Mm. and their initiation ceremony all the things that went with them growing from being kids Mm -hmm. to being young adults and ready for the responsibilities of 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 adulting Mm. there were hairstyles that went with that there were styles for married women there were styles for warriors Mm. just if you look at africa's history when it comes to hair which is sadly not as well documented as As it it should be and has been stifled there is information though it is there it's there in the archives of all these um museums (laughs) (laughs) this is how it becomes political isn't it because then you're like should these people have our images yeah um but that's neither here nor there um so hair is not always about just it's a trend Mm. it is more than that it's a sense of identity because i don't think that there is a lot of Caucasian people, their hair, or at least rather people whose hair grows straight. Mm. It grows straight, it falls down. Mm. They don't have to think about it. And I would like somebody listening who is not black to challenge me on this and mm. say that they have ever been in a situation where they've had to make sure that in order to be 
deemed as acceptable, mm. their hair was styled contrary to how it grows. Mm. Ooh. Because until you can understand what that means, yeah. go easy on what you're thinking while you listen to this. Mm -hmm. Because if you have to be forced by circumstance mm -hmm. to alter the natural growth of your hair in order to be acceptable, you really simply do not know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And so this is my, my concern about trends. Yeah. And this is why we went back and we say to you guys, talk to the older ones. Dear. So well done you, yes. Nana, because when you start to hear these things, then you think somebody dropped the ball Absolutely. in the 80s. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We are side-eyeing some people here for dropping the ball. And mm -hmm. we're not saying, you see, I'm very pro-choice. I, I want people to enjoy their hair. My yeah. thing is enjoy your hair that's what i do at work at mm. work i work with women young girls i work with my clients to get them to a point where they are enjoying their hair the satisfaction for me is when i get texts saying i love my hair <laughs> i'm enjoying it okay we don't love our hair every single day yeah. but if you can love your hair five days out of seven <laughs> every week yeah that's a good place yeah that is a really good thing because it doesn't matter what color you are mm-hmm it doesn't matter what your ethnic background is. Mm -hmm. Everybody has hair insecurities. Mm. That's just a fact. We're mm. human. So we're going to have those things. But it was interesting because while this was happening in Ghana, mm. um, I spoke to different people from different ages as well, from Southern Africa. And it was very interesting because the younger they were at the time, mm. the more they saw it as a trend mm. the more it was for fashion mm -hmm. it was just like it was fashionable but the work that went into it you know it, yeah. was, it was a thing it was a process so somebody was like um she they used to shampoo their hair mm -hmm. and they used to take their rollers mm -hmm. and roll their, we're not going to talk about what they <laughs> used to roll their hair because these people were in they were clever you they were clever so they used all sorts but they would roll up their hair and they, they would sit in the sun to dry their hair mm. so they would either do other chores or do other things but they sat in the sun because this is pre blow yeah, dryers yeah. so then they would do that and then they would take it out and eventually the afrocomb became a thing and yeah. it became a an accessory and they would comb out their hair mm. and they would have it and it was a fashion statement mm -hmm. the older generation now so i hope i say this right um umama hedwig duesibanda she had this to say she said it was an expression of their beauty and their africanness mm. so even though they wore wigs a lot of the wigs were afro wigs yeah right and the afrocomb also became an accessory for mm. the men so remember last week we mm -hmm. learned about how in the late 60s then the Afrocom became yeah. a thing and it, it was like marketing strategies mm -hmm. again. So obviously this spread and it became a thing. But it was like, for them, it was a sense of identity and also the rise of, of nationalism mm. in the sense of more African countries were gaining their independence. Mm -hmm. um, there was another lady who used to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. She used to, to work as a teacher. And she said that for them it was a way of asserting their specialness mm. and it, again it's that departure from eurocentric beauty standards yeah. they braided their hair they plaited their hair or the younger ones would then comb out their hair mm. as a sign of either solidarity 
to black identity and to the civil rights movement and to the, the growth of this pan-Africanism mm. and all that stuff. Or it was just, it's a thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a thing to do. So it's a fashion statement. It's a trend. So let's do it. Mm. Um, and then by the 80s, you start to get the Jerry Curl mm. and then you get the S Curl. Mm-hmm. And then you get extensions. Mm-hmm. Extensions start to become a big thing as well. And then you get the the straight perm. I was going to mention a brand, but yeah. we, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we won't give them free advertising. Um, yeah, so then it became a thing of straight perms. Mm. And I just think I want to call out the media on this. Okay. Because that's a big jump. You've gone from loving yourself, the beauty of us and our hair and just that whole mindset. The black is beautiful. Black is beautiful. We are enough. We are enough. Our hair is Is fine. Yeah. As it is. Yeah. We should not be held back just because of who we are as a people. This is it. To suddenly... Oh, no, no, no. It's not acceptable anymore. You need to have it bone dead straight. You need to burn your scalp to have it bone dead straight. Yeah. The media, tell us. I just think as much as I quite like a certain... (laughs) I don't want to mention people, dead people's names. (laughs) Um, I think Vogue. Mm. British Vogue had a picture of Marsha Hunt on Mm -hmm. their cover. Mm Mm-hmm. In 69. The one we posted on our own Yes, we Instagram. posted that on yeah. Instagram. Um, a very beautiful picture, but if you look at the history behind that as well, it's almost like, oh, it was like trying to showcase her as an exotic beauty. Yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah. What is an exotic beauty? Um, I'll just leave that there. What yeah. is it? And I think looking at what's happening today as well, it's a question of, in 10 years time where are we going to be with this, this is it. so i think as african women mm-hmm. um or as, as just yeah as as people of african descent mm. we have to think about how our hair is a part of our identity mm. and i know for a fact that doing this research there is a time period where actually mm. it became okay for them mm-hmm. to they fought so hard yeah there, there was um, yeah. one of our um, listeners, she, she's um, from Jamaica originally, and she was part of the, it was a whole big thing here. Mm. They fought so hard. So many of them are talented. Mm. So many of them had qualifications mm. and they never got jobs just because they were either, quote unquote, overqualified. Mm-hmm. It was because they were black. Yeah. And this is, we're talking about the UK. And so we think of the UK now and we compare it to America and it's like, oh, mm. the state is so racist. But things were happening here as well that were were so hard for them to take. Yeah. So for them, it was about identity and it was about we, we, we are rejecting Eurocentric standards. So it was the same struggle being fought in the community, regardless yeah. of where the community was. And I think what turned it from that to a trend... Mm is the feature in British Vogue. Okay. Because then you're cheapening yeah. what this thing, and this is how it became a style that anybody and everybody could wear because mm. once it's on Vogue, then we know, oh, wow, everybody's doing it. Mm. And it's like, well, not when it's tied into someone's identity. Yeah. Because then the next big thing was the Jericho. And once mm. the Jackson 5 went from big afros <laughs> to the curly monster, curly... <laughs> 
watching our words here. <laughs> to the curliness that they started to... <laughs> to the curly stuff that they wore. Um, it's, it's just real, though. It's, it's mm. real, you know. Um, it, it's real. So once... Once, once we go to that point where it's like, it's, it's a trend, mm. it's then easy to, it's then easy to, um, ignore. It's this then easy to drop. It's then easy to, to regress. And what's really sad is the fact that at one point, I think a lot of employers were becoming open-minded to this, but because of this representation in the media mm. and, and once it became a trend, a fashion statement yeah. where Caucasian people were wearing Afro wigs mm -hmm. um, and, and people of all sorts were having their hair permed mm. into an Afro by choice. It yeah. wasn't because they had to, yeah. it was just the thing that was, it was a thing. thing it's almost like, you know, when Brazilian hair started to become a thing yeah. or the keratin treatment yeah. became a thing, everybody wanted it because, oh, well, so-and-so had it on this cover mm. and so-and-so had it in this film or whatever. Mm. Once you reduce a people's identity to mm -hmm. a trend, the progress that had been made this is it. It fell away because now in this day and age, it's so sad to hear people being told things like, oh, could you possibly make your hair a little less African? Mm. Now, this is something that's happened to somebody that it shouldn't happen to. Yeah. She's not this generation we're talking about. She's a young woman mm. and, and we're hoping to have her to come and share her experiences mm. of how her hair has been received mm -hmm now and i'm really just taking this in because we spoke last week about you know the black panther movement we talked last week about the way in which the media was vilifying women i've got a, a post up on my my instagram page right i've got an image of angela davis mm -hmm. she's got her afro out of course and this is on life uh, magazine mm -hmm. the making of a fugitive is the only thing you see mm -hmm. really on that that cover yes so we've gone from the media in 50s, 60s of vilifying uh, members of the Black Panther. We've got them vilifying women and um, women of colour. We've got them vilifying people for with their Afro on. That in itself, you've got a connotation there. Okay? Yeah. You've got an image attached to an idea of a lifestyle outside of the law. Yeah. To then a decade later, two decades, it's acceptable. Mm -hmm. Everyone's wearing it. And I, I'll use the word I used last week. We've whitewashed the Afro. Yeah. To the point where it then becomes almost non-existent mm -hmm. until, what, 2000 and something, mm -hmm. where and we are starting things, to go on our natural yeah, hair journeys some, again. <laughs> and some of the, exactly, again, and some of the things being called an afro mm. are not an afro, it's yeah. big hair. Yeah, <laughs> this is it too. Shout out to Erica Badu, though, yes. because remember when she came out and she had the big afro yeah. wig and everything, and then everybody's like, ah, yeah. it's like a whole, it became a yeah. whole big thing, where it's like... Technically speaking, it should have never gone away. It shouldn't have, yeah. It shouldn't have gone away. But then you see, the thing is, it's all good and fine us talking about this. And I, I like to sort of have a matter and say, well, mm. this was done wrong. But I'm more about what do we do today to preserve our identity? This what do it. we do today so that babies who are four and five today mm -hmm. grow up understanding that if your hair grows upwards and outwards, mm -hmm. that's, that's okay. absolutely fine. It's magic. You are beautiful. Mm. If your hair grows multi-directional, 
you know, it's just so multidirectional. We know you babies like that. Mm-hmm. We see you. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. If your hair grows straight and it falls downwards, that's fine. That's a... However your hair grows, that acceptability should be available to everyone. Yeah. And if we don't do something about it, we are passing on to our children yeah. that their hair... It's not okay. Or at least if we're not aware of everything we're doing, because I see a lot of people doing stuff to children's hair and some of it is not necessary. 90% of it is, 95% of it is not necessary. 99.9? 100% of it is like, just leave, leave the children, leave the children. You know, like by the time a baby's about, well, by the time a fetus is about Mm. seven, eight months, all their follicles are fully present. Mm. They're developed they're ready to function once they're born. Mm-hmm. So nobody, right, is going to magically cause follicles that you don't already have at birth mm-hmm. to appear on your head. Now, just because the hair isn't present mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the follicles are not there and the hair is not coming. Some babies, it takes them up to six years mm-hmm. for their hair to fully come out. That's not a bad thing, Mm -hmm. but if you've started to damage the hair before it's even fully come out, by the time your child is 21 and they stop growing, Mm -hmm. they are going to have serious hair damage. Mm -hmm. And then you're not going to be there to put your hands up and say, that's my fault. This is it. And along with that hair damage is that mental damage as well. Like, what are we exactly. teaching? What are we teaching children exactly. about their identity that is linked into hair? And again, we'll say this isn't this isn't just hair. Uh-uh. And what we're doing and where we're going isn't okay because there are real dangers to it. Yeah. You know, we've we've failed before. The generation before us, they failed. Somebody dropped the ball. Somebody dropped the ball to the point where a generation of us then had to rediscover ourselves through our hair had to rediscover ourselves through yeah. all and sorts I love, of I also era. love what Vogue is doing. So I'm not vilifying Vogue. I'm mm. just saying they're so influential yeah. that just by highlighting something, mm. the, peop- the, the, the people's psyche was, oh, well, it's a trend. Yeah. I, 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 whether that was their intention or not, I don't know. Mm. But it was obviously something that was on the rise. Yeah. And they just thought, you know, we're fashion forward, so mm. we're going to step ahead. And I'm excited because... British Vogue in 2018 had so many diverse models yeah. on their covers. And I think that's a very big a part of um, Edward Enninful's legacy at yeah. Vogue. Um, sure. Being a person of color himself, I think he understands diversity and how to diversify. So you've had different types of diverse mm. people on Vogue. I think I've seen more faces mm. on the cover of Vogue in the last 12 months than I ever saw before that. And to add to that, I think I've bought more copies of Vogue than oh, ever yes, before yes. because not, of that. Exactly. You so know? Before that, I'm not buying <laughs> that because it. it's not it's not for me. So this I'm not it. buying it. But I think while they are playing their part in trying to show people the, the mm. fashion side of it, mm. that's what makes it a trend. That's mm. what makes it trendy. That's what makes it, you know, part of popular culture. Yeah. We have a duty to make sure that when... Edward moves on. Yeah. We don't know what kind of editor will come. Yeah. Personally, I want him there for the next 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) He just needs to stay there. (laughs) You need to stay there. But the next person to come should be able to stand on his shoulders and do better. 
Absolutely. I don't know how they'll be able to do that, but they'll be able to do that. However, mm. as a people, we have a duty to make sure that we are holding on to our identity. Yeah. And we, I keep thinking about what you said in last week's episode. <laughs> if somebody comes up with a safe, quote yes. unquote, a relaxer, are we still going to want to embrace our natural mm. hair? Mm. I'd like to think that for a lot of people, it would be a yes, but sadly, I hear enough to make me think probably not. Yeah. And it's not just that it's a styling thing. What then happens is it creates barriers. Yeah. Yeah. In, in certain spaces for us, because mm -hmm. then it's like, well, why can't you just go back to having a straight perm? Mm. Why can't your hair be straightened mm. in order to fit into this space? Why can't you straighten your hair? We wouldn't want that happening in 10 years time. No. We can't afford to drop the ball again, you no. know? So this is where education comes into yeah. it, really understanding our hair and understanding that hair care is not a one size fits all. Yes. Yeah. And we, we, we are discussing this, you know, we've got a beautiful space here to do so. Yeah. We have episodes coming up later on in the season that will really go into that a little bit more. We hear you guys, you want to have more information about, you know, what you can do and, and that's what we're delivering. But we also need these conversations to extend outside of us. Mm -hmm. We need to go further. We need to have conversations, like we said, with older ones, have conversations with younger ones. Mm -hmm. Keep having these conversations because they're not pointless. They're so important. Yeah, and language. I think language, how mm. we use language. Um, because some of the older ones I spoke to that were kind enough to give me information, a couple of them mentioned the word kinky in a negative sense. Mm. And yet on Instagram, like, kinky coily is a hashtag that people seem to use positively. No, mm. it's not a positive thing. And if you if you feel that your hair is kinky, that means your hair is in need of help. It needs mm. intervention. So I'm just going to stand here and say, I will call out hair mm -hmm. care professionals. I'm going to do it before you all come for us. <laughs> no, there's enough, there's enough posts I see enough to know that people are not happy with the level of of care that they sometimes receive from mm. uh, the people doing their hair. Now, again, my thing is other people doing your hair trained to do so. Mm. That's a starting point. Not everybody who does hair is actually a hair care professional. Mm -hmm. A professional is one that has been trained mm -hmm. and they understand what they're doing. I'm not saying the training is a hundred percent brilliant. It's not. We're working to change yeah. that. Um, but in the meantime, can you please make sure you go to people who are trained and work with them? This the idea that you change your hairstylist every week or every time you get your hair done because you're looking for the cheapest price. Mm -hmm. um, while that might be convenient, <laughs> I need people to understand that going to the hairdressers is a treat. So it's not something you do every day. Right. Regardless of, again, color or identity or whatever. Mm. Um a lot of us have to do our hair at home and mm -hmm. going to the salon or going to um, a specialist is mm. a treat, mm. right? However, the point of your professional is to teach you what to do between appointments. Yeah. So if you're not having conversations that help you to understand your hair, mm -hmm. that help you to have healthier hair when you're away from your, your stylist, mm. if you're not seeing that your hair is thriving mm -hmm. and it's doing well, you might want to rethink the person you are currently paying to damage your hair. Ooh. Just just think about that point though, right? Paying someone to damage your hair is what we're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, because any trained stylist is going mm. to do a good job because they want to hold on to their license. Mm -hmm. You have to be licensed to do these things. Um, you you have to be certified. If they don't have a certif, if they don't have certification of any sort from a recognizable institution, mm. you are paying them to damage your hair. Mm. So yes, we're working on that. I am just putting my hands up on behalf of hairdressers and, and you know everyone who's trained mm -hmm. to say we recognize what is deficient. Mm -hmm. We we are aware of things and we're working on them. We're working on it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us will pay to keep going for 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 professional training courses mm -hmm. every year. Um, at least a lot of us, not all, mm -hmm. but a lot. Um, and that is very important mm -hmm. because when we are then at home and when we are managing our own hair. The thing I hear the most is it's hard. Mm. It's hard. No, it's not. It's easy if you know how. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you go to a pro, if you want to know how to deal with maybe say um, you're having issues with your teeth, mm -hmm. you go to a dentist. You don't go trained, to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On that note, what is our moment of grace for this week? Our moment of grace is our hair is a part of our identity. Mm. It is a part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so we need to treasure who we are. Yeah. We need to learn to just accept who we are and work on making our hair healthy. So accurate information, mm -hmm. information from a trusted, trained source mm -hmm. will go away in making sure that if this magic potion of a hair relaxer does come <laughs> up, we can choose not to use it yeah. because we don't need to. Yeah. Our hair isn't hard. Mm -hmm. And if you feel that your hair is hard, please contact me. Mm -hmm. we, we, I'll help you. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy when you know how. This is it. Well, thank you for listening in, guys. We have part three of this coming next week. And we really want to hear from the millennials' voice. We want yes. to hear from we the generation now. Yeah, we're looking forward to a millennial voice. So that's going to be interesting. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. In the meantime, keep talking to yes. the older people in your life. Keep asking. Yeah. And whatever they tell you, send it to us. DM yeah. us. Um, leave a comment under our post on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's Nyasha Musa Grace on Facebook. Email us. Mm -hmm. Send in a voice note if you can. Exactly. <laughs> Send us a voice note. We love those. Oh, thank you for listening, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. If I remember very well, Tairu Kamsoyed, Ufarira Kuka, natural. Then Michana Michana, Anakasutanga Kungawa Chitama, Eskil, Kanamataki, and Lovely. But by the time independence came, Tata opened up my extensions in my week, I think. I'm not exactly knowing time, but I'm not exactly knowing time.